Hello, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Whenever you're listening to this, you're welcome to the Unsafe Space. My name is Keith Redman. I'm a former Fine Gael counsellor. And I'm joined by, by my beloved... Sarah Ryan. I'm a former Fianna Fáil counsellor. There you go. And so you have all the greater wisdom you could ever want from the political world that is Ireland right here. Today we are wondering about what we could talk about. <laughs> well, to be honest, folks, I mean, I'm sure we're all bored to our back teeth of this, but really there's nothing else you can talk about other than the COVID pandemic lockdown situation, which is leading to all sorts of surreal moments, including, unfortunately, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson being in intensive care as we speak. Um, but it's also having uh, lesser impacts on households up and down the land. And so we'll discuss that today. And then we'll talk about the, the bigger political situation and we'll get all kind of um, sociopathic about it and start talking about it from a Fine Gael, Fine Fall point of view and indeed touching on the other parties as well. But first of all, um, Sarah, talk to me about what's happening in the world right now. You breathe very loudly, turns out, <laughs> and I constant urge to flee from the household because it turns out you not being at work all day is... So, folks, I'm sure you've experienced this yourselves. It's called the fight or flight mechanism, and it is designed specifically so that if a couple are left in a house together for too long, one of them wants to fight and the other one wants to flight. Um... Currently, I'm halfway between homicide and suicide, um, and Sarah wants to just run out of the house. But that's not because we don't love each other, folks. We do. We're just um, reaching kind of a critical moment. Critical moment. I, could, no, do you reckon you could? Do you reckon you could do two or three more weeks of this? Well, because today we had cocktails at four o'clock. Well, we did. We had cocktails at four o'clock. But you see, that's because every day is Friday afternoon now. <laughs> you know, every day is Friday. It was afternoon. great. We had. I had one margarita <laughs> and I had one apérol spritz. At four o'clock. It was lovely. I looked And up. then at around six o'clock, it felt like I'd been hit by a bus and the kids uh, had to be fed and put to bed. And I was like, well, this is an inconvenient. That was an error. Yeah. I looked it up. I was a barman for four years when I was in college and in a nightclub that's long since dead now called Rumours Nightclub. The, the older among you will remember it. It was on O'Connell Street beside the Gresham Hotel. Beautiful establishment. All the footballers went there at the time. But I was seconded to the cocktail bar on occasion there. And uh, generally, it was just a bit of black Russian and, uh, you know bit of vodka and orange but my lady here from d4 wants her fancy one so i had looked them up for her today we made them but it was uh yeah it was kind of a bad thing to do at four o'clock in the afternoon it sounded like a great thing to do it was great at the time but, lovely yeah we had no. some tortilla chips as well we were like we were like children of 37 again yeah they were wonderful moments before children um uh, but um anyway no we're <clears throat> we're yeah like i mean look we have to do two or three more weeks. You have to do two or two, two or three more weeks. Oh, and we will have to. That, like that's the first thing. Sorry, I, mean, I said if don't, yeah. don't, don't. Yeah, I can't. I we, can't. We will have to. Like I am one of the people that this, this the government is doling this out in bite-sized pieces for because like yeah. three weeks, Keith. Are you serious? Paddy can't handle being told there's a month to go. Like, Paddy can't handle that. He has to be given this in bits. You know. That's what I mean. Well, oh, look yeah. at, hey, hello. I'm Paddy then. Yeah. yeah. But do you seriously think three more weeks? You said to me earlier on two more weeks. No, no, two more weeks beyond the two weeks. So in other words, this Sunday, we're supposed to be getting all released into the wild, if you remember. Yeah. But Leo's going to stand up now on Saturday night and tell us all that it's not quite there yet and we're going to need another fortnight. So that's three weeks, really. <clears throat> so, oh, so you're counting that from last yeah, week. Yeah, I think, I think. But like it's nearly Wednesday, in fairness. Well, there you go. That's the spirit. That's the, that's the blitz spirit, you know. Um, I think that this weekend... 
two weeks from this weekend brings us to the end of the month. You know, I think we're running into the May bank holiday weekend. So that'll be like a, like a, like a festive holiday for us all. It'll be like Christmas. But like, are they just, when it gets lifted, is it going to get fully lifted? Am I able no. to go out? Am I able to go out and drink with my friends and eat and go to restaurants? Bring the kids to the play centre, send my child back to Montessori. What's going to happen? I think the schools won't be open again until September. It's a Montessori. And Montessori will follow. Oh. Um, I, I, I would have thought. Um, they might, well, I suppose with Montessori, I suppose they could stick the Montessori. But what are you going to do with the younger kids then who should be in school? I, I just can't I see Montessori's them. are pretty much paired with school and parents. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if you're looking at school, you know, going, what are you going to do? Send the kids back to school in May and then chance it that they don't come back as they always do, like little petri dishes of infection and infect entire houses. And they do that all the time anyway, with less fatal diseases. So I don't think he's going to chance that. I think he's just going to say the schools are closed until September because they would only have been open for the six weeks anyway. He's going to say mass gatherings are not allowed. So in other words, pro park or any of that nonsense, none of that. Sure, I don't care about that. I hate concerts and but like, oh yeah, I just want to go. No. I just want to go out with my mates. I don't think you'd be going out with your mates. I think your mates would be going to your gaff though. If that's any good to you. Yeah, fine. I think your mates. There'll be a lot of dinner parties and things. Um, I think restaurants might open if they can space the tables out. If they can do a bit of that, but I can't see how they're going to do pubs. They can't police pubs, so I, I just don't see pubs opening for probably another month after that. I think they're going to phase this reintroduction to the wild for us all. Um, well, we'll be back in the wild by July. Yes. June. Yeah, yes. I think May will be the, the, the feeder month. May will be the... He'll break us up into bite-sized pieces, two-week fortnightly updates. So the fortnightly update will be on Sunday, you're locked down for another fortnight. At the end of the weekend, I'm releasing you back, but here are the new rules and certain establishments can't open and, you know, we're keeping social distance and we're doing all that sort of blah, blah. And then two weeks after that, he'll say, we're nearly there, folks. And at the end of May, he'll then release us back into the wild fully. Okay, but if the numbers start going up a lot, like like we don't know, like oh, we have a s- strong suspicion that there's a there's a, a backlog, given that today mm. is the uh, seventh. Is it the seventh or the yeah, eighth? seventh? Yeah. And our friend got tested on the mm. Paddy's, Paddy's day. day on the first day Croke Park opened, and she still doesn't have her results yet. Yeah. So if that is that's the case. Do you think that your prediction, will your prediction change if tomorrow they come out and they say 900 new cases? I don't think the numbers of cases matter at all. Okay, 100 deaths. <clears throat> now, there you're talking. The numbers of cases don't matter at all for one very simple reason. We were two simple reasons. Number one, 80% of cases have mild to moderate symptoms and never get tested. Never get tested. And number two, the, um, the, the number of tests that we do is too small. So we don't actually even test the people that we should be testing. So to be honest, the number of people who are diagnosed is bunkum. That's not really any of use at all when you're okay. analyzing these. Grand. The number of people who die is very important. And I think that the number of people who die, the only way to compare countries at this stage is the number of deaths per million of population. That's the only way to do this. And so you can compare country to country at that point then and you can you can work out what's working and what's not. Obviously, in the States, New York is having an absolutely horrible time of it. Um, but there are some states that have very little, very few cases. Um, yeah, but that's what they were saying about certain places a few weeks ago. And now they're starting like this because yeah, yeah. just because you're, you're behind doesn't mean you're not going to. I mean, the UK is getting a bit tricky now. Yeah, well, I mean, their prime minister is in ICU at the moment. That's the definition of tricky, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, talking about the numbers as well. So anyway, you didn't answer my question. 
if by next week they're, they're averaging 100 or 200 or 300 deaths a day, do you think that he'll change the two weeks yes, of course. to another two weeks? This, 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 this only, I mean, you know, he's only going to release us back into the wild if this has worked or is working. I mean, if the thing is getting worse, we'll just be locked down completely. China, not not the whole of China, folks, but like two areas in China. It was um, China, Wuhan, China, Wuhan, uh, Wuhan, what Wuhan and Hubei were shut down for two months. Two months. Everybody was just like locked in their house for two months, and we were kind of going, "Oh my god, oh my god these total totalitarian communists locking people away in the house, and we're going to be we're going to be doing probably at least a month fully, and then another month partially." So, but it seems to be the only way to beat this thing, you know. And the also, the other thing is, right, partially, like, really, like, depends. I mean, if he comes back and says, yeah, you can go back out, but no pubs or restaurants are opening, so where the fuck are we going anyway? Well, as I said to you, I think restaurants will, do, do you know what I have a funny feeling? Excuse my language. I think outdoor areas. I've gotten very loose. Yeah, I've got, I think it's the two cocktails. <laughs> no, it's the being stuck in the house for two, two for weeks upon weeks. Actually, like, funnily enough, somebody we know shall remain nameless. They are an older couple. And uh, this just shows you the level. They're in the house on their own together. Very straight-laced people, you would imagine. And uh, she was worried because he was upstairs and she could hear him coughing and coughing. And she was telling me that she was like, oh, I was worried that he uh, had had COVID-19. He was coughing and coughing, coughing, coughing. He's 67, by the way. She went upstairs to see uh, if he was all right, if he needed something or if he had COVID-19 and he was smoking a joint out the window. <laughs> First of all, I, I commend his ability to no, score drugs in, that, a, in a lockdown. No, totally. But like, that's the level we're at now of people. Uh, <laughs> absolute madness going on. That just like we had drinks at four o'clock today. Uh, I've taken to gardening. I made bread from scratch twice. I made. Le- I've turned into kind of a mixture between like Nigella Lawson and George and Best. George Best. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep thinking about cigarettes. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. It's just like the boredom. And I have studying. Like I have a law degree. I'm throwing myself deep into, you know, deep into conspiracy theories online. I find it. I find it relaxes me to think that there is just complete wackos out there that believe certain things. It makes me feel a lot better about what I believe. You know. So. I kind of, uh, I'm, that's what I'm doing. Well, we're the opposite in that way in that I find comfort from watching Sky News and you find it anxiety inducing. I see. That's because it's reality. I don't want reality. What I want is fantasy. So well, that's reality why I like makes me feel news. better. Oh, no, I don't like reality. <coughs> Especially if it's repeated over and over. Other. Especially if it's repeated over and over and over and over, which is Sky News. I mean, they have nothing new to say from half hour to half hour. So you're hearing the same thing in over and fairness, over. In fairness, like the prime minister is in the ICU. It's literally at Simpsons. Like, remember that episode of the Simpsons when they're like, do some whole special at something and then at the end, <laughs> something irrelevant. And then at the end, he's like, in other news, the president is arrested for murder. More on that tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> like, it's like, in fairness to Sky News at this point, their prime minister is in ICU. And just say so you now, my sister and I went through this phase. Your sister's of, a doctor. My sister is a doctor. She's working in, in Sligo, General. Um, but a few years ago, uh, she uh, she and I went through this phase of being obsessed with post-apocalyptic fiction. You can actually search it as a genre on your Kindle and we basically read every single post-apocalyptic book there was. And the definitive opening or like marker or indicator moment. moment where you knew that society was breaking down was the president is either in ICU or dead. The Prime Minister is either in ICU or dead. So this is, like, in fairness to Sky News, this is fairly post-apocalyptic it's, stuff. 
It's following the it's following the script of one of these B type movies perfectly. I'm not enjoying it anyway compared to some of my other When it comes to Boris, I mean you have to ask yourself the question that you know everybody is being very diplomatic about. But let's put it this way, let's say he can't continue. Okay. Um what happens there to the UK government? Okay, or obviously he's anointed Rab in his temporary absence. Um but if he can't continue Overall, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a major catastrophe for the UK. And they don't even have, like, that's what I said earlier on. I think they have to have a leadership election. It's not like there's a vice president, like in the States, where this person just steps in. There's a whole t- procedure, isn't there? So that's going to take time. I mind this just the trauma of it. Like, it's just so disruptive and scary. And he has a baby on the way. It's really sad. Like, yeah. you know, he's he's a young guy. Waited to be prime minister, I'm sure, for a long time, and then it does. If it does one thing, it brings it home to people that it's not very old people who are dying. The guy's fifty five, you know, relatively young in today's age, and so it's not old people dying. And if if you needed any, you know, embodiment of that as an example, then he, you know he will do some good, I think, in that he'll chasten a few people who would otherwise have been a bit blasé about going out and not staying home and all that kind of stuff. They have had problems with that in the UK in recent week. Um, so. And, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's not, a, like, I know that most people are, yeah, the majority of people are adhering to the whole thing, but, like, a lot of people aren't. We had a domestic accident on Saturday in our house with our children, and uh, our three-and-a-half-year-old um, picked up a bottle of dead all surface spray and sprayed his brother in the face with it where it went into his eyes. <laughs> And uh, little little known fact for any parents listening, uh, the one and a half year old who took the dead all in the face, he didn't cry. There was not a bother on him. His eyes were nothing. fine. His eyes were fine. We didn't even think it went into his eyes because the top of his head was wet. So we thought it had gone into his hair. A few hours later, he started to have reaction in his eyes or whatever. Anyway, long story short, he had to go to Temple Street and have his eyes rinsed out, which is a horrific experience for a normal person but a one and a half year old I can tell you it's effectively like being waterboarded I'm when not, you're one and a half I'm not the better for it I can tell you um but anyway the point is that I had to drive from Malloyd into Temple Street and I pulled <laughs> I, I came around towards Mountjoy Square there and uh, there was a goddamn street party going on people standing outside the flats there having cans great old time like so maybe people need you know the shock of a famous person getting it to cop on or maybe those people are not even watching the news I don't know Sorry to know. some people are, are unreachable and certainly unreachable by the political class that's for sure that's why they're just taken into account in the numbers basically that there will be some people who just won't Yeah. like all of us saying in our house just takes the numbers down but they know they're never going to get 100% compliance so yeah. like like Conor McGregor came out there last week and was extolling the virtue of a complete lockdown and was telling Leo... You have, in that stupid video? Got a well, you see, you find it stupid. I might find it stupid, but... Oh, crazy. He, no, but he was reaching... Why did he talk? He, he like, was reaching people who don't listen to politicians. He was reaching people who aren't interested in what Leo has to say. And he does talk to a, a contingent of people who will listen to him. Do they respond to him in that ground control to Major Tom voice that he put on? He has a way. Oh, God. It you was know? cringe. I he has a way. Dealing. There's been a lot of cringe lately. That celebrity video of people singing Imagine made me want Imagine to turn my eyeballs. Oh, the people. Made me want to turn my eyeballs inside out and die. Living oh, my God. Communist. Oh, my God. It was just horrific. Please don't sing, Keith. Look, I, um, I could have been in Boys on one stage. That's another story. 
Yeah, old man's own. Um, anyway, yeah, so I don't know what's going to happen. It's just mental. Like, how do you even, like, I want to go back to normal. So we're getting back to this. Okay, folks, here's the way this is going to work. On so- Saturday, Sunday, you're going to get a bit of a chat to by our dear leader. He's not going to do it on Saturday, Sunday. He always does it way before the day. He's well, going to do it on Thursday. Well, I don't know if he can. No, I think, well, whatever. He's going to do it toward the weekend, on the weekend, whatever. And he's going to tell people, look, folks, you're going to have to, you know, persevere with this for another two weeks. I think at that point, he is going to also give people an indication of where, of, of what, of goals that they, that we will have to reach to, to be released. Okay. So he's going to say, look, we need the numbers to be X. We need this to be Y. We need this, you know, he's going to start giving us kind of things that we can, we can measure, we can look at, we can look for. So that we're not completely sitting in, in the dark, just waiting for someone to release us, which is obviously creating a lot of anxiety. If he tells us, look, guys, if the numbers start coming down to this, if it, if it hits this level, then we're, you know, people will start to, I think, A, respond to that. They'll say, right, guys, this is our target. This is what we have to do. And B, it will give people a semblance of control over the situation because they'll realize, well, if we can do that, then we will be released. So in New Zealand, for example, we will be released. We will be released. Squealamock, the Dini, the Winter. Oh my God. What do you think of that? Is that good Irish? No. That was good. Squealamock and the Winter. Squealamock and the Winter. Release the people. No? Well, people's not Winter, it's Dini. The folks is Winter. Yeah, see, I'm being being folksy, I'm being politician. You know, like like Bush. The the point I'm trying to get across to you is in New Zealand, (coughs) they've got four levels of this. They've, they've brought out a thing, a level one is this, and it will effectively mean if this is going on, you're at level one. Level two, if, if these things are happening, you're at level two. And so everybody knows where they are on the levels, and each level will, is a further and further um, kind of lockdown, uh, re- removal of, of your freedom to travel around and stuff. Um, and so you can see if level four goes back to level three, or goes back to level two, you know you're getting on top of things. I think it'd be useful if you brought out something like that. It would help people understand where they are and where they need to go. Um, doesn't necessarily have to copy that. I think a kind of a coloured coded system where everybody kind of can understand green, amber, red or whatever. But anyway, you're going to hear something along those lines, I think. But then you'll also, not only that, but, we, you know, we, we have we have the effect on, on people in their houses and stuff. We should really talk about the effect on the economy. How do you think, how do you think, do you, I mean, a lot of people talk about a V-shaped recovery. In other words, a bounce back straight away. What's your feeling on this, Sarah? I think there's going to be, there's going to be tears to this. <laughs> Like, tears as in from your eyes or yeah, tears from levels um, tears is in levels I think that there's a lot of people like you're an older generation Gentleman. and a dentist so you don't like but loads of my mates my brother and all they work in like <coughs> financial services and uh, they're all just working from home so just because everything's closed down there's an entire economy that's continuing that you don't see yeah so like my brother and my friends, whatever, they're all just in their houses. They're all working the same as ever. They're all getting paid the same as ever, whatever. And I think that like, not my brother, but a lot of my friends, like are going to, female friends, for example, are going to burst out of their houses when this is lifted and flood into hairdressers and all those things mm. and like literally reignite that whole situation. I think that people are going to be sitting in their houses, not able to spend any money and then burst onto the economy with accounts full of cash you know look well, that go, is the government look, plan that's why they're giving everybody places. money they're giving everybody money for nothing for that reason you know this is the whole yeah. yeah we've even talked about it like oh when this is all over we're going to do this and we're going to do that <laughs> i'm going to go out on a boozy day with the girls and you're going to do the same with the lads and we're going to go out this we're going to do that and we're going to go into town we're going to buy this we're going to do it like everybody's thinking the same thing so i think that there's 
going to be a reco- quite a quick recovery mm. in some areas. Yeah. But I don't think that like p- things like, you know, pubs, like all of the like, like concerts and all those things are just cancelado for the rest of the year. Yeah. probably. So if you're in that kind of field, that's a big problem. Right. Like the last recession, like <clears throat> construction and things like that were like most. But it, I think that will come back for But quick. it infiltrated into everything else. Yeah, yeah. Like anybody I know works in construction or whatever, like those sites, they'll be back on those sites next week. Yeah. If they're, if, if it was lifted next week or, you know, when it's lifted, they just go back to work. Is it a, is it a setback? Yes. But the government is doing a good job of providing relief for people, like able to stay afloat, you know, to stay in the game, to wait for that big, big boom. Yes, I think that there are certain industries. I think that... I wouldn't fancy being in travel and tourism. I wouldn't like to be in travel and tourism. (laughs) Um, Restaurants. Restaurants will be okay. Pubs won't. Pubs are going to be in trouble unless they've got very large... Ironically, I was saying this before... I think the venues that have, uh, were deliberately built after the smoking ban to be effectively outdoor venues, but not really. You know, the ones on Harcourt Street, these big, huge events, which have no no roof, but kind of do. And everybody smokes inside, but they're not really inside and all this kind of stuff. That's, that's the kind of venue that you could potentially see something coming back. But again, how do you maintain social distance there? And to be perfectly honest, if you're in coppers at two o'clock in the morning, you don't really want social distance. You're trying to score someone. So, yeah. No, I like yeah, the, the, kids, pubs, the pubs are, <clears throat> everyone will be back. It'll be the summer. Everyone will go in and start slobbering on each other and, like, you know, licking each other's face, basically, and sharing glasses. And that'll be the end of that. Like, I don't understand it enough, but, like, in theory, if we all get let back out and there's two cases <clears throat> in the whole country, if those two cases are the wrong two people, two people who go into it, copper face jacks or whatever and start slobbering on people we'll be right back where we started within a couple of weeks well I think what they're I genuinely think what they are going to do even when they start phasing everybody out uh, in phasing everybody's release back out and, and allowing people to do certain things go to restaurants go to bars go to as that phase release out I genuinely don't think they're going to end the cocooning though, because they are the people most at risk the over 70s the people with comorbidities like you know uh, other illnesses and things like those guys, I think, are in for a long summer. You know, I, I think that you're, their, their lockdown is going to so potentially... So, like, Ken and Hillary are going to be in their house for... Yeah, the neighbours of ours, Ken and Hillary, yeah. <coughs> I think we, we do a bit we of We actually just have a cough. Like, we don't have... I was tested. I don't have COVID-19, but I was tested as Keith, a, as a healthcare worker. He has an worker. incredibly irritating cough that he's now passed on to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think older people are going to be released back into the wild uh, before probably <laughs> July. No, I think it'll be no. So would Ken and Hillary be allowed to come down here to us then? I think strictly speaking, no. Especially because we've got young kids. I mean, they're as I say. No, but I mean, you know the way they like to come down sometimes of an evening when the kids are gone to bed. I know that, but I I don't think they'll be allowed to go through the people. The whole idea of cocooning is that you're locked away from everybody. Would we be able to go down with them and sit no, on the other side of the room? Maybe? No, because we're out and about and we're potentially carrying things. You know. That's terrible. I know. I know. I know. What age, what age is it over? <coughs> 70. Oh, so my parents will be all right then. Yeah, but if they have other things like high blood pressures, uh, type 2 diabetes, those kind of things, they, they're the things that they watch out for because they've noticed that people with high blood pressure and type 2 diabetes are highly prone to passing on into these hospitalized cases. Yeah, so if it goes on, I don't know, from an economic point of view. I think it has to have an effect, but whether... Oh, of course I, I don't. I don't think it's going to be the long, drawn-out crash of 2009. 2010 i think it's going to be a bouncy bouncy one where you're up and down up and down and depending on the sector you're in you're either going to have a fantastic year 
online, groceries, they're all absolutely flying at the oh, moment. Oh, what did I tell you? What I read the stat yesterday? That like the the grocery increase in groceries for the quarter was up like 300% or something. Yeah, yeah. No, they're having their, their Christmas and, and Thanksgiving all together, you know. Um, and other businesses are too. Anything online is doing really well. So there are some businesses that will do well out of this. And then obviously there'll be other ones that will really, really not do well. And you have to see travel and tourism as being up there. You know, pubs, probably not going to have a good summer. You know, th- those kind of things. But who knows? Um, I mean, let's face it. And the overall scheme of things, our numbers are very low. You know, we only have, um, I say only. That we know of though, Keith. Because no, I'm talking about our deaths. Oh. Our death rate is quite low in comparison with other, other countries. So we are. What was it today? 36. 36 or something. But I mean, overall, our numbers are quite low. Now, people say, well, that's because we're two weeks behind everyone else. Fine. But we did lock down fairly quickly and, you know, we're relatively well behaved on that whole score. So I just, you know, you never know. This could be a thing where in two weeks time we look back and we go, we actually did really, really well. Now, speaking of doing really, really well, <coughs> you then have to come back and say, well, the government have actually done really, really well because they will be compared to other countries. And if we, if our death rate is really low in comparison to other countries, in particular the UK, the, the, the notion that's out there that Leo and the gang are doing really well will begin to stick. And I think that... But I think it is sticking because it's true. Well, we don't know until we see the numbers, but I think you're right. I think it is true. I think that, I think he's done, you know, a really good job. And you, and you have people from across the spectrum. I mean, there was a poll out from BNA this evening on RT News saying that four out of five people think the government is doing a really a good or a really good job. So, you know, th- th- those kind of levels are are all, all gravy to, you know, to Fine Gael at the moment. But let's talk about the prospective Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil coalition. Um, how's, how's, how's Michal's mission to be Taoiseach going? Well, the man is desperate to be Taoiseach, for God's sake. <laughs> What's that joke you saw in Waterford Whispers? They're sneaking into Leinster House at night to pretend to be Taoiseach. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's true. I... First of all, the numbers. They don't have the numbers. I don't really... I don't buy it. Like, I... I think that like Leo and Simon and Simon and Regina are all doing a really good job. I don't think you change horses in the middle of the stream. And so I think that what Fianna Fáil, this is just my personal opinion now, personal opinion, that I think that Fianna Fáil should have like can offer support to the, to the government by saying, okay, we support the government and we'll prop up the government for a period of six months until this national, international crisis is over. And then we'll have a conversation about an election or whatever might come then. I think if Michal Martin comes out of government buildings uh, as the Taoiseach a week from now in some kind of rotating nonsense, he'll look like an idiot. He's going to look a bit silly. I mean, let's face it. I mean, even if you don't, even if Leo lost the election, which he did, even if Leo got the fewer number of seats among the top three parties, which he did. But he also was up 15 mm. points in the last poll. Yeah. And, and Michal didn't, Michal lost seats in that election. And it doesn't even matter. There's only two the Constitution, seats between them. But the Constitution, like, is there for continuity because the Constitution <laughs> recognises the need for continuity. The Like, the, the government exists, the Taoiseach is the Taoiseach until he's a new Taoiseach is elected. And unfortunately for Michal, that never happened. And unfortunately for Michal, he didn't get the loads and loads of seats that he thought he was going to get elected, that he was going to get in that election. He actually got law seats, which mean, meaning that his message and his like vision for the future of Ireland that he was putting forward to the people was rejected pretty much. 
and lots of people lost their seats. And so for me all to go in there now, take the job, the, the, the baton off the guy who's doing a really good job, put Stephen Donnelly into health or whatever and mm-hmm. be changing all of these roles in the middle of this just because of his own blind ambition is going to look really bad. And I do not believe for one second that is anything but self-interest. Well, it can only be this driving, driving kind of terror that he has that he'd be the only Fianna Fáil leader who was never Taoiseach. So he has this thing where he has to get that monkey off his back. And he, I, I genuinely think he would be willing to drag Fianna Fáil down into the trenches and the gutter to be, to be Taoiseach. And they would be in the gutter because if he brings them into some kind of ad hoc coalition just so he can become Taoiseach and then things start to go badly, people will legitimately say, your man Leo was doing a really good job. Simon was doing a really good job. Yeah, even if it's changed everything. Even if it's stuff, no, but even if it it won't even matter. Like even if it's stuff that was, you know, in the, the post, fruit yeah. of seeds that were planted long yeah. before it, he'll get the blame, and so will Fianna Fáil. And so will Fianna Fáil, and and then just, it just looks so mercenary, and it'll just look completely it transparent, and look, it'll just be really bad, for him, really bad for. Him. And at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to happen. And here's the reason why: maths. You have. Between the two of them, 72 seats. They need 80. So they need eight more seats. Now, you could cobble together eight to ten independents, all the rural independents and all this kind of stuff and get these guys around a table. Can you imagine? The the phrase herding cats comes to mind. I mean, it will not last a year or 18 months. It'll be absolute chaos. And in the meantime, all that will happen is Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael will further diminish in the eyes of the electorate. And you will embolden Sinn Féin and in, inevitably end up with some kind of Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin Labour, you know, social democrat kind of lefty spaghetti Nightmare. situation. Um, so I think realistically, <clears throat> I, my own view and, and the personal See view. that I've, throat clearing I've, thing, I've, imagine like living with that for a moment. Oh man, imagine having to live, live in it. But my own personal opinion is that Leo is going through the motions here with this. And uh, I think that they'll let it go to its right to its end and realize they can't get a third party to join them. They don't have the numbers. They tried their best. And Leo is going to call another election. And I when? Think, in the summer? I think that election could happen in July. It's not, a, it's not a classic time, but nobody's going to be away. <laughs> so I think that election could happen in July or if it's stretched on September, definitely. But I personally think this could be a July election. And if it is, and he goes in as this wartime leader who's beaten off COVID-19, Fine Gael will do very well. Yeah, but he just has to play it right. I, I'm, yeah, I'm in favour of just the national, the national <laughs> government thing. I think that like, you know, everybody just like pulling on the green jersey, making the decisions, leave all the lads that are in their current portfolios and their cor- current portfolios because it's just too tricky to change people at the moment. And then, you know, when the numbers start to come down and the, like everything starts to get called off and whatever, you, then you start talking about having an election. That's my view. Not rotating Taoiseach and programme for government and all. Get a grip. Yeah, the only thing that could change all of that is if the Greens do another about face and decide that they do want to be in government um, because they've got 12 seats. So then you could definitely see an election for me. But I really, I think that Leo and the gang actually don't want the Greens to change their mind. I think they're, they're perfectly happy to go along with the charade of attempting to form government. What's the longest that, a sh- that a, an interim... T shirt ever stayed. No, it's a relatively new phenomenon, I would have thought, because I mean, some some last time the negotiations, coalition negotiations took two months. We're way past that now. What, no, I know. What month was the election, February? Hmm. 
Was it? Yeah, it was your birthday. Yeah. 7th of February. So we're on um, the 7th of April now. Two months. So two months now. It feels like longer, doesn't it? It feels like February was about four score years ago at this point. It's because we're in the middle of a yeah. of an action movie. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I think that Michal is really taking a big risk mm. coming out there. If he, like, And if I was the I'd be like, yeah, pal, go on, have at it. Like, because... Yeah. Like... He knows his weakness. It's his weakness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what about um what about the uh, the Americans? What do you think is gonna happen with Perel Trump? Perel Trump? What do you think is gonna happen to what about the things that happen to the people's champion? Um I think Trump's in a bit of bother. Um <clears throat> I think he played this all wrong and I think it's gonna I think it's gonna backfire. But it depends because he's very popular. He wins he's like I, I was convinced he was getting reelected up until this this might throw a bit of a spanner in the works. Well, he's come out to Cuomo and uh, the governor of New York. Yeah, he's governor, yeah, of New York. He's come out and um, and said that Trump is doing a good job and he's giving them what they want and he gave them the Navy ship and he's, he's doing good stuff. Because he's in a bit of an internecine battle with um, the other Democrat in New York, the big Democrat in there, Senator Schumer, who he hates. So there's kind of a thing going on there where he's trying to, believe it or not, show up Schumer and presumably because he wants to run for the Senate himself. So it's an interesting kind of little dark art situation going on there with Cuomo. But the... No, what I mean, he's got a lot of charisma and he's kind of making Trump look like... His press conferences are like a rambling uncle who's drunk. Yeah. You know, charisma is one way of putting it. Yeah, we we, we got a good kick out of watching that one one afternoon, didn't we? It's fascinating. He He just rambles. And this reminds me of a time when I was a kid and... We used to have this baseball. I used to call him Jerry. And, you know, rambling, rambling, rambling. You know, fascinating stuff. Um, obviously, his own anxiety is coming out that way. He's trying to reminisce. Well, that's it. There's a lot of that about awareness. Yeah, yeah. A lot of yeah, people's yeah. anxiety manifests in weird ways. I see people freaking out on Twitter. I see people freaking out. God love them. It's it's a weird time. And um, the other thing is that like, you've got another Washington state over in the West Coast. They're having a bad time of it. And there's a couple of other states. But... As I said to you, in general, it's not hitting every state equally. So if he gets away with it, now he may not. We might be back here in two weeks saying it's an absolute disaster in America because they are behind everybody else. So it could be a case of two or three weeks from now, every state is having hundreds of deaths you know, a day and then we're in deep trouble. But that kind of analysis then becomes, did Trump do something wrong? Could he have made any difference anyway? Again, it comes back to a comparison with other countries. And then ultimately, this is going to come down to, would Biden have been any better? Is Biden likely to be any better? And quite frankly, Biden is a worry. Biden has But it's also Biden about perception. Issues. Let's put it that way. He's cognitive issues. I mean, come on. It's also about standing up there and saying it's just a flu. Standing up there and saying, China, China. Yeah, China. yeah. Like, it's also about the way you acted. Yeah, but that plays into a narrative. I mean, the people who vote for him like this idea of America against the rest of the world, America against China, America against Russia, America against, you know, they like that whole thing, you know, USA, USA. He's playing into that. He's, he is a clever guy. He's a communicator. He's a clever communicator. And that whole China flu thing is deliberate. It is being done so that he can say, the Chinese did this to us, not me. He's also doing another thing, which is clever, which he's saying, I'm going to, I'm giving all the help to the governors. If they call me for help and they ask me for help, I'm doing whatever they want. In other words, putting it on the governors. So, you know, I think he's, he's planning his exit really from a, a catastrophe if this turns into a, a disaster. 
But hopefully it won't. Um, but in New York in particular, it's grim at the moment. Oh, it's rotten. Hmm. It's just, I don't know. I don't even think, I think that there's a part of your psychology that just kind of starts to block it out after a while because you can't, you can't take so much bad news. Like if you take, if you really sat down and thought, for example, that like 800 people roughly died in Spain last night, 700 people died in Italy last night, 600 people died in France last night. 900 people died in New York last night. Your brain just explode. Yeah. So. But you look at those numbers and you see 37 people died in Ireland. Now, I know we're a smaller population, but like, I think when you do the deaths per million, we're, we're not doing too badly. No, we're 11th. I told you. Yeah, yeah, 11th. That's pretty good. 11th out of the, the Western countries that are being affected yeah, by I this. I think that's great. Yeah, that's pretty good. Right, well, I... Oh, look... I'm not having a conversation with pretty good death rates in a global pandemic. Yeah. There's a lot of macabre stuff here. When it gets into political analysis, it does seem like we're quite callous. We're not callous people. We're, we're genuinely nice people. Well, Sarah is. But I definitely am. But at the same time, these are the these are the, the, the metrics that will, people will start to analyse. And, and even if they only do it in their own head, it's it's how people will start to gauge their politicians. Um. So anyway, folks, we... um. That's pretty much it for this podcast. If you have something that you would like us to, uh, so for example, on Twitter, uh, I got a couple of questions about um, the difference between men and women, as I outlined, was that I said to Keith last week, I'm going to go upstairs and wash the bath, the kid's bath, because it's getting a bit manky. And Keith said, well, why would you wash a bath? And the kids, There's water the in kids, it every night. Every night. And, and that, soap, and, and it's all my, being cleaned. And that, my friends, is the difference between men and women. And I'm sure a lot of men listening to that right now are going, why would you okay, wash your so bath? The, the, we're, this is chapter one and what I'm going to call COVID learnings about Keith's dementia. And uh, if you have any of your own or you would like to uh, back me up, please tweet me and say, yes, Sarah, you're right. Soap um, scum builds up on the side of the bath and it must be cleaned appropriately and, lads, and often. Lads, if, if, if you really feel, and I know you're out there and you're feeling, you're feeling it hard, you're feeling it, you're feeling it bad. If you really feel that you're close to that homicide, suicide thing, you know, keep, give me a shout. I can, I can feel your pain. I share your pain and we can, we can discuss what they're doing to us psychologically. Okay. God love you. And we'll talk about it on future podcasts. But, um, yeah, but that's it for now. Uh, if you have anything else for us to talk about, please do tell us because we're desperate for something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, chaos. it's like how do you watch it get up to today nothing I went upstairs I thought that the, uh, the like every time I look at my phone I think oh my god I haven't looked at my phone in hours I'm sure I have loads of messages nope no life is existing nothing. no one has anything to tell you the one no thing is though if you send a text about. message to someone they immediately get back to you because everybody's sitting there looking at their phone well, that's good yeah every cloud that's people are finally responding to Keith's text messages it's up to you alright she, she has her read notifications on so I know she's read them <laughs> Maybe I just don't want to talk to you. Mm. Anyway, we'll leave it at that. I've been Sarah Ryan. And I've been been Keith Keith Redman. And this has been The Unsafe Space. See you later.